Yes, welcome in boys and girls. This is your Monday edition of the Full 10 Yards podcast, where every yard does indeed count. And hopefully this week, every minute will count. Apologies for the technical problems with last Thursday's podcast. It appears to have cut off halfway through, and unfortunately, it appears as though the ghosts of Halloween have taken it away from our archives. So apologies for those of you that were enjoying Thursday's podcast and it got cut off in its prime. Uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, I'm joined for what feels like the first time in a long time by Lawrence this evening. So Lawrence, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. Recovering from my um, my third London game. Um, just wanted to thank um, Tim very much for, for giving me a ticket kind of last minute and managed to get on the old National Express one last time in 2019 to, to get down and see the, um, the Jaguars-Texans game. Um, and I was very fortunate enough on, on Wembley Way to happen to bump into um, Maurice Jones-Drew. So I went, I went and got a little cheeky autograph from him. And then I thought, actually, Lawrence, this is, this is the 21st century. And a, a 21st century autograph is a selfie. So I went back and got a selfie with MJD. So I'll, I'll put that, um, I'll share that on Twitter with everybody. Yeah, I, I saw you snap yesterday, mate. Looks like another great weekend. I know a few of the boys from the full 10 yards were out there in force yesterday. Uh, so hopefully everybody had a good time. We'll obviously get on to reviewing that game very shortly. Um, and as usual, that's where we're going to begin the podcast on a Monday as we head towards first down to start looking at your early Slater games. Down. Okay, cast your minds back. Thursday night football, Cardinals versus the 49ers. And the 49ers continue their impressive start to the season. They remain undefeated. And as you'll find out later on, the only undefeated team in the National Football League with a 28-25 to victory over the Cardinals. Now, quite a contest this one in, in, in comparison to what people may have predicted. And it certainly didn't follow the regular script. We've talked consistently about the 49ers and that and that ground game being the real driving force for them. But this one was handed over to Jimmy G and he did most of the damage through the air. All four of the 49er touchdowns were via the pass. And great to see Emmanuel Sanders getting heavily involved in the offence already. That trade seems to be paying off um, in the early days for the 49ers. Sanders reeled in seven receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown. George Kittle also found the end zone. Um, he had another nice game. Six receptions for him in this one. Uh, Kyler Murray continues to do what he appears to do in every game. He makes his fair share of highlight real plays. And the big highlight in this one was an 88-yard bomb that he threw to Andy Isabella late in the fourth quarter. But the 49ers do hold on um, and they stave off that comeback attempt from the Cardinals. Uh, so that was Thursday. Let's get into Sunday. And Lawrence, you've alluded to it. You had another early start for the 2.30 kickoff down at Wembley Stadium, Jags and Texans. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're now into November. Um, so it was appropriate for a large proportion of the UK to be growing facial hair. And a, and a lot of this sort of charitable effort was in effect on Sunday at Wembley as a Minshew mania was gripping the fans of the Jaguars, both from Florida and from across Europe. Um, it was just a shame that there was no actual Minshew Mania on the field, though, as um, Gardner, for once, actually did look like a six-round rookie. Um, not helped by receivers dropping the ball, um, which seemed to be kind of everywhere, whether it was receivers or tight ends. Um, and, and from seeing him in the flesh, I think the, the, the biggest problem was he just held on to the ball too long. He, he didn't make those quick decisions. And that's going to come, you know, as he as he spends more time in the NFL, but, you know, if, if he's still starting and getting games in, in 2020 and beyond, but he just, he just, he just hung on to the ball too long. And it was, it was a shame. He was picked off twice, lost two fumbles, sacked three times, and he just failed to move the ball effectively really all game, um, but still managed to get, end up with over 300 yards passing. Um, he wasn't helped by a poor running day from Leonard Fournette. But unfortunately, the, the, the game script kind of kept Fournette out of the game. And he only had 11 carries for 40 yards, which is not 
not typical of what um, Fournette's been doing this season. Um, but the Texans, they had two absolutely monster runs from, um, from our friend Carlos Hyde, um, which included a, a Leon Lett-type fumble at the goal line after a 50-80-hod um, scamper, which was kind of had everyone stunned when, you know, he broke free. And, you know, we're watching it. I'm, I'm kind of up in the middle of the stands watching this um, touchdown run from, from left to right. And you just think, oh, he's, he's done it. And then there was that, that fumble right on the goal line. And, and he ended up without a touchdown for the game, but 160 yards on the ground. Um, Deshaun Watson, he was, he was slippery. I mean, one of, one of the plays when he managed to get the ball out with his knee about an inch off the ground was, was just miraculous. Um, he hit 22 of 28 passes, um, but only 21 yards was, was the longest pass. So I think, you know, the game plan was just keep it short, keep it sweet, keep the, keep the drives going. And then Nuke Hopkins had a, had a late touchdown to pad his stats, but he averaged a, a really bad six yards, uh, six yards a catch, which has got to be one of his career lows. Um, interestingly, there was some, some, Real parallels in some of the stats. Both teams had exactly 21 first downs each, and both were four of 11 on third down. But this was, you know, this was a dominating Texans performance from start to finish, and they they shut the Jags out in the second half. I mean, this is a this is a huge win for Houston, as everyone else in the AFC South lost in Week Nine. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think it'll be interesting to see. If Minshew Mania comes to an end permanently, um, Nick Foles potentially back after the bye week for the Jags. So it'll be interesting to see if a move is made there. He's obviously done phenomenally uh, to keep them certainly in contention. And it's been a great little story, but you just have a horrible feeling that he's picked the wrong time for his worst game with Foles potentially coming back. Um, and talking about quarterbacks that should be replaced, that leads me very nicely onto Chicago. And dear, oh dear, oh dear, what on earth is going on with this offence? Mitchell Trubisky and the boys managed a grand total of, what was it, seven net yards in the first half? It was, nine, was it nine yards? Yeah, nine. Yeah. Nine? nine yards, is it, oh, in no, the first half of a, a professional football game. Yeah, Just, I, I yeah. feel like I've shortchanged them there. I took 20% <laughs> off their total. I'd have given them seven. Um, bless, bless. An absolutely horrendous performance yet again from this offence. And the Eagles were up early and essentially despite a couple of late, um, you know, a bit of a late rally from the Bears, David Montgomery gained a couple of touchdowns. Um, this really is a, a club that is just absolutely crying out for some identity on offense. Trubisky looks absolutely lost. Um, there's a great little um, gif that's come up on Twitter though, in his defense where there's one sack and every single one of the five offensive linemen essentially ends up on Trubisky's lap. There's problems all around for this team. And unfortunately, this isn't something that's just happened this week. This has been ongoing and has been on the horizon for a while. You know, you're having a bad day when Alan Robinson finishes with just one catch for six yards. He's been a lone bright spark in recent weeks, but even he was held quiet on the day. The man who wasn't held quiet in this one, Zach Ertz, finally breaking the 100-yard barrier for the season. His first game in which he's done that after doing it five times all of last season. He finished with 103 yards and a touchdown off nine receptions. And the Eagles rebounded after a um, disappointing defeat to the Cowboys a week or two ago. Um, you know, they've, they've certainly sort of steadied the ship. Not potentially, you know, for me, looking like they're going to cause too much prob too many problems down the stretch. But a franchise that, you know, potentially once they start to get a few players back healthy um, could certainly cause some teams some inconveniences in the postseason run, which I don't think is going to be anything that the Bears will be doing this time around. Two teams that will be in the playoff picture, though. Lawrence, is your next game, mate. And this was uh, a really good game down at Arrowhead between the Vikings and the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, this was the game where there was... There were some early weekend rumours, weren't there, about Patrick Mahomes potentially coming back. But I think the, the Chiefs did the sensible thing and, and kind of kept him in his civvies. Um, and it was, it was Chiefs backup, Matt Moore, who, who really rose to the occasion. And, and with the exception of that kind of freak 91-yard touchdown scamper from, from Damian Williams, it was, um, it, was, it was Matt Moore was the reason for the Chiefs winning the game. Um, it was, you know, 
good to see that um, Moore didn't turn over the ball at all. Um, he found seven different targets. Um, one of the one of the um, passes early on the the Tyreek Hill forty-one yard touchdown. Just another. I think this season is is going down as a a season just with just gorgeous touchdown passes. There's just so many, just really just pretty passes, and you know that was that was another one from Tyreek Hill, who is is just he's, he's on fire at the moment. Um, I think though the real hero from from this game was actually the the Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker, who who kicked four field goals, including a game tying fifty four yarder, which I think matched his his career long. Um, two and a half minutes left, and then the the forty four yarder to to win the game. And when you consider the amount of sort of kicking woes there are around the league, um, to get a kicker to 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 have two clutch kicks in the last two and a half minutes of the game is um is quite an achievement. Um, on the other side with the with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins had a bit of a weird one: three touchdowns, no interceptions, but was was fifty percent on his passes. Um, Obviously, huge um, disappointment for Vikings fans that Adam Thielen um, again left the game, um, injured again. Um, and and Stefan Diggs, um, I'm not sure what happened to him. One catch for four yards. Um, and then the other, Johnson, their other receiver, again, one catch for four yards. At least he got a touchdown. And, and it left Le- Laquan Treadwell um, to sort of pace the Vikings with 58 yards on four catches. Um, you know, strange performance from Minnesota. They should have put the game away, but Dalvin Cook was was bottled up. I'm, I'm, I was reading that they kind of they they needed to take all eleven defenders to try and stop Dalvin Cook, and they they did manage to do that. I think he was held to something like under seventy five yards on the ground. Um, the Chiefs have now got a two game lead over the Raiders um, in the in the division, and and with Patrick Mahomes likely back. Um, but as you said at the, at the start of this, the Vikings also remain in, in a pretty solid wildcard position at the moment. And I think this loss isn't going to change that. No, two very good teams. Um, it was enjoyable to watch in the early window. Um, yeah, it was a game that uh, could have gone either way. Like you said, the, the big play to Damian Williams, you know, sort of essentially took the, the Chiefs from what felt like a little bit of a hole. They were backed up at that stage and down by six on the scoreboard. Blink of an eye, they were obviously in front. Uh, and like you say, good for Harrison Booker to come through with a game winner. A kicker that didn't have so much luck in terms of clinching a game winner, though, was Adam Vinatieri, who yet again, when he was needed in the clutch, unfortunately for the Indianapolis Colts, shanked his try left. And it meant that the Pittsburgh Steelers held on for a surprising 26-24 to victory. Um, even if you aren't a big fan of the NFL, you've probably seen Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and everybody knows Lace is out. It was a terrible hold, but that's no excuse for Vinatieri. The ball was going left off his foot and it never really had a chance. Uh, the Steelers benefited in this one from an early injury to Jacoby Brissett. Looked horrendous on the replays, I've got to say. Um, he was trod on and then subsequently fell on by one of his linemen who had been pushed back on a play. Uh, encouragingly, he did actually leave the field on his own power, but never actually returned into the game. So it was Brian Hoyer seeing his first action in quite some time, who came in for the Colts and, and looked pretty much like Brian Hoyer generally does. He was fairly efficient. He threw for three touchdown passes. His first actual pass of the game went for six. Um, however, he did throw a pick six, which the um, impressive, it's got to be said, Minka Fitzpatrick since his big trade to the, the Steelers. That's a trade that seems to have been uh, paying off well. He returned it 96 yards to the house. For the Steelers, um, three-game winning streak. Can't take that away from them, but Mason Rudolph continues to be the king of the dink and dunk offence, it has to be said. Uh, if you are playing fantasy football, get yourself a Pittsburgh Steelers running back. Jalen Samuels in this one, 13 receptions. That's right, 13 receptions. Um, when you consider that that's half of the passes that Mason Rudolph completed, that goes to show you how much he likes to drop the ball underneath to his outlet receiver. There was also completions here to Deontay Johnson and to Roosevelt Knicks. Um, you know, so you know this isn't a, a big play offense by any stretch of the imagination. They are churning out some yardage, however. Juju Smith-Schuster, he would be that big play wide receiver. 
He was held to just 16 yards on three receptions. The biggest player of the day was a 40-yarder to James Washington. And outside of that, very minimal gains. But ultimately, the Steelers get the job done. Similar story to what, what, what feels to have been the case for the Colts for weeks on end now. A close game. All of the Colts games have been decided by seven points or fewer so far to open up the season. And unfortunately for them, they're on the wrong side of this one. And as Lawrence Ewell alluded to earlier, with the Texans getting the win in London, a big momentum shifter in the division as the Texans now head back to first place. Uh, your team up next, mate, Bills and Redskins. Yeah, I mean, it's it's painful watching at the moment. Um, it's three games in a row and the Redskins haven't managed a touchdown. Um, so we go back to the um, the, the bog fest. Um, that's a shutout. And then um, six field goals in 12 quarters. So... I mean, it's not surprising. We're, we're, we're hugely lacking a, a, in depth at wide receiver and tight end. Um, Adrian Peterson somehow um, is, is managing to grind out the yards. I mean, there was one particular drive when he, he had three carries, I think something like 16, 17 and 28 yards on consecutive plays and um, just proved that he still, he still can tote the rock. Um, and went, went over 100 yards in total. And I think he'd hit that at the half um, against this this quite tough Bills defense. Um, the Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen had a pretty poor outing and was, was actually getting booed from the home crowd, even with a with an eleven point lead in the second half. I mean, he ended with 160 yards passing and 12 yards rushing on the ground, and and that's not going to win you most games. But this was against the the you know now one and eight Redskins. I mean, they they did try and mix it up. They started rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins for the first time. Um, but this is a team who's now into its sixth quarterback um, starting a game in the past two seasons, which is a NFL record since, you know, since 2018. Um, Haskins was poor and the, the team only converted two third down attempts all game. But I guess one small ray of light for Haskins was that he actually didn't turn the ball over. Um, which for a rookie in his first start, you, you've got to give him a little bit of respect for that. Um, Frank Gore had a, had a really frustrating game, um, got stuffed twice at the goal line. And I think the, the standout performer for the Bills really was um, rookie running back Devin Singletree, who had a 140 all-purpose all yards and a, and a late touchdown to seal what was a pretty routine win and moved the Bills to 6-3. and three. And and now they're only just two games behind the um, the Sith Lord and the Cyborg. As endearing as ever there about those New England Patriots, Lawrence, but uh, you, they all need to be on guard in the AFC East because, ladies and gentlemen, the Miami Dolphins are on the board with a W. Hooray! Many people thought it wouldn't happen. I've got to be honest, I was always confident. I thought, you know, I, I'm not buying into the full-blown tank. They've got some decent players there, and thankfully Ryan Fitzpatrick had one of his better days. We've seen it happen before. When he doesn't turn the ball over, he can be very efficient, and here he is with a three-touchdown performance, 288 yards on the day, um, and they get the win over the New York Jets, who, let's be honest, they look a worse team than the Miami Dolphins. I don't care what anybody says. Outside of Jameson Crowder, Sam Darnold doesn't really appear to have anybody that he trusts in this offense. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson's doing nothing on the outside. Le'Veon Bell, that that sort of supposed, you know, lead running back in the NFL that wanted to hold out to prove his worth has come back and produced absolutely nothing really on the year. He was held to 66 yards on 17 carries. Ryan Griffin has become a little bit of a feature of the offense, but he had a a big play which got um, overturned when he felt that he got a touchdown, um, but he didn't complete the process, which unfortunately for the Jets led to an horrendous sequence of plays where Donald ultimately ends up getting picked off on quite possibly one of the worst decisions you will see from a quarterback. Um, an horrendous route concept where all of the Jets receivers seem to run for the same spots and Donald basically lobbed up a, a bit of a hopeful pass um, as he was getting pressured. Big day for Preston Williams for the Dolphins, which is unfortunate because I believe I've read today that he potentially is done for the year. 
but the preseason darling came up big here with a couple of touchdowns. Devontae Parker also found the end zone. And and for the Dolphins, and you know, I've got a, a friend who's a Dolphins fan and we've talked throughout the season. Genuinely, genuinely really pleased for them. Um, it's a horrible, horrible thing to watch a poor, a poor side week in and week out. And, you know, it's um, a little bit demoralising when every Sunday you turn turn in optimistic and end up disappointed after about half an hour. Me and you could certainly allude to that, my friend. So, Oh, God, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, but uh, great to see the Dolphins finally on the board. Um, and as, like I say, as for the Jets, they now drop to one and seven. Last game in the early window, Lawrence, throwing it back to yourself, mate, for Panthers against the Titans. Just just before I mention that, just finishing off on the Dolphins-Jets game, it just makes that um, victory over the Cowboys even stranger, doesn't it? You just you kind of look back on it and, and you, you see that score and, and it just really doesn't make sense. So just, it's, just, it's just one of those things that just kind of sticks in your head. It's just absolutely uh, still the most bizarre result of the entire season. Yeah, so <clears throat> Panthers Titans a big bit of a bit of a bounce back game for Kyle Allen who who got his fifth win of the season, um, and then to move the Panthers to a respectable five and three record. I mean, this was a it was a bit of a make or break game for the for the Panthers here, and because you you never quite know which Titans team's going to turn up, and. Um, Ever since they they made the change and, and ditched Marcus Mariota in, in you know in favour of Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill's actually gone to prove that there are actually people that can catch the ball in in, in Tennessee. Um, I mean, he managed to um, go for over three hundred yards, three hundred thirty-one yards passing. Um, you know, I think there was nine different people um, caught passes. Um, eight of them got two or more passes. So. You know he's he's managing to find targets, um, but you know this this was a game yet again dominated by um, Christian McCaffrey, 166 yards, three touchdowns, including a 58-yard fourth-quarter barnstormer. Kind of when everyone else is tired out, he he kind of wakes up, and uh, you know you you you're not going to come back from from Christian McCaffrey kind of punishing you in that way. Um, for for Tannehill, his his first loss in a Titans uniform, um, but you know he was partially to blame for this. His his two interceptions were pretty critical. Um, Titans are technically still in the playoff hunt, but I, I think this is kind of a sign that they're you know it's it's not really going to happen in 2019. Um, Elsewhere for the Panthers, um, DJ Moore um, had another good game, 101 yards in the air. Um, Curtis Samuel got got a touchdown, um, 64 yards, um, and and just an interesting little stat in terms of the non-Christian McCaffrey Panthers carrying the ball. Um, there was um, five other people that carried the ball nine times for a total of ten yards. So if if for whatever reason Christian McCaffrey goes down, there is going to be huge huge trouble in Carolina. Yeah, certainly not a lot of strength and depth behind him. He carries that offence and he's well and truly in the MVP discussion following yet another big day on the ground for Run CMC. Right, that's the end of the early window. That's the end of first down. So let's move over to second down. Second down. Okay, second down, ladies and gents, and there's a few more games to get through in the light window. And Lawrence, I'm going to come back across to yourself for the Chargers and the Packers. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's a who's a Chargers fan, this is this is sort of pretty much par for the course. Start off miserably, warm up in the middle of the schedule, and then start looking absolutely outstanding before kind of melting in the playoffs after everyone thinks you're going to, you know, get to the AFC Championship. Um, I mean, with, with under 20 minutes to play, the, the, the Chargers were 19-0 up um, on an absolutely red-hot Packers team. And, and, and a Melvin Gordon dive, um, moving the lead to 23, was a, was a game clincher. Um, what made this upset really remarkable, that we, it was in front of 25,435 fans. I mean, if you put this into context, the... Uh, 
couple of teams in the championship, the Derby and, and my 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 team, Nottingham Forest, they both average over twenty six thousand per home game. So you know this is an NFL game with twenty five thousand fans. I mean, it's it just it kind of makes me sick, really. Um, Chargers, they did dominate the time of possession, including the whole, holding the ball for 11 minutes in the first quarter. And that's, that's going to sap the energy out of anybody. Um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, to his credit, was quoted um, after the end of the game saying that the loss was a, was a good slice of humble pie. And, you know, sometimes you need to take those losses to kind of realise um, where you are and, and kind of wake yourself up. Um, I mean, Rodgers did have a bad game, but he... Because of the time of possession that the, the Chargers were having, he, he never had a chance to get the run game established. And the, the Packers only had 13 attempts on the ground for under 50 yards. I mean, unfortunately for Philip Rivers, the, the Chargers are four and five and still under 500. But two consecutive wins is pretty encouraging. Yeah, it certainly is. Potentially, they have turned the corner. Let's hope for them that it's not too late and they potentially can make a little bit of a run as we get towards the wild card reckoning. Um, they will have to, however, keep pace first and foremost with the Oakland Raiders in that respect as the Raiders took care of the Detroit Lions 31-24. to It's actually the first game that's been played in Oakland since all the way back in week two as the Raiders have been either on the road, on a bye, or over in London. Um, so a fairly lengthy time for the fans over in the Bay Area to get their team back in front of their eyes, but they caught with a big win here. Um, paced by Josh Jacobs, who, you know, for me, continues to probably lead the way in terms of offensive rookie of the year candidates. Uh, he carried the ball here 28 times for 120 yards and got two touchdowns en route. Um, even more impressive when you consider that the, the Raiders have had trouble really across the offensive line uh, throughout the season through injuries and one thing or another. They haven't been able to get there. What they would probably tell you would be their first choice five linemen together. And they lost um, big right tackle Trent Brown in this one. He went out injured partway through. So really encouraging for the Raiders that they were still able to move the ball with a great deal of consistency. When it came to be um, time to throw it through the air. Derek Carr continues to be efficient, if not spectacular. He finished 20 of 31 for 289 yards and a couple of touchdowns. His leading receiver on the day uh, was Hunter Renfrew, who, you know, to be honest, wouldn't have been somebody you'd have probably been picking up in your DraftKings lineups this week. But he finished with six receptions, only for 54 yards, but he was the favourite target on the night. Um, Darren Waller probably held to one of his more you know, quieter games on the season, just two receptions for 52 yards in this one. But it was a game that ebbed and flowed. It went backwards and forwards. And and typical sort of feeling here for the Lions, really, that despite, yet again, a ton of yards from Matthew Stafford, where he throws himself for 406 yards, the game really turns on a couple of important plays. And that was a first-quarter fumble from Stafford and an interception deep into the second quarter. Um when a game he's you know essentially decided why one possession, generally the turnover battle will be the thing that costs you. And unfortunately for the Lions, that's exactly what happened here in this one. Um and you know, despite what feels like a much improved level of play this year, um, unfortunately they just don't seem to be able to get out of their own way and find themselves in the wing column too often. Um, in the wing column is a place that we regularly are finding the Seattle Seahawks though, Lawrence, and that's your next game, mate. Yeah, I mean, I had the, the pleasure of watching the kind of the, the NFL Game Pass 40-minute version of the game this morning. And, and when, when you're about to press play and, and the, the timing reads 47 minutes for a 40-minute kind of um, sort of package of all the, all, the, all the main plays, you know you're in for a treat. Um, and, and I was absolutely right. I mean, this was a, a Wilson and Winston wonderful wow fest, really. 713 total passing yards, seven touchdowns and not a single interception. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of celebrating James Winston here, not, not Russell Wilson in that respect. But seven touchdowns and no interceptions between them in the game. Um, in fact, to, to me, this was a game that showed that... Um, 
the combination of Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett is is kind of up there. I mean, it, it's gone to a it's gone to a sort of different level. We we you know we I know you shouldn't kind of you can't mention these sacred people like kind of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, but this has gone up to a a kind of you know it's gone up to a different level um, in the in the past three weeks, and I think. Tyler Lockett is is kind of you know is heading for for an All Pro season, considering he was looked at in in the past couple of years as a as a bit more of a kind of return specialist. So this is incredible work from Tyler Lockett. Um, I mean, the Seahawks didn't actually have a lead until you know eight minutes nineteen left in the fourth quarter before going on to win this game in overtime. And you, you, you just kind of run out of superlatives to describe Russell Wilson when he gets in the zone. 378 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Tyler Lockett was targeted 18 times in the game. 13 catches for over 150 yards and two scores. But he still wasn't the leading receiver um, on the game. That went to um, the Bucks' Mike Evans, who actually had 180 yards on 12 catches. Um, and, and not to feel completely left out, rookie Seahawks receiver DK Metcalf also stepped up with his first 100-yard receiving game on six catches. Um, I mean, this was, a, this was an absolute advert for the excitement of the NFL and, and what it can provide, um, unlike, unfortunately, the, the product that came to Wembley yesterday. Yeah, two really good offences when they get clicking. James Winston either has one of those days or one of his bad days if he if he has one of his good days then like you say you potentially get a back and forth classic like you had there in Seattle this weekend we didn't get a back and forth classic in Mile High we got yet another debacle from the Cleveland Browns as the Denver Broncos take care of business by a score of 24 to 19 in Brandon Allen's first career start um he found Courtney Sutton Courtland Sutton, excuse me, early for a very nice touchdown, 21-yard pass. And the Broncos, let me tell you, were in control from that point onwards. Horrendous tackling from the Browns' defence allowed Noah Fant to make a 75-yard pass, essentially getting about 74 of those yards after he caught the ball. Three or four Browns defenders had the chance to bring him down and none of them could tackle. Red zone miscues once again for the Browns. One of five in the red zone, settling for field goals far too often. And, you know, potentially at a time when they didn't need to set um, to sort of, you know, push it too far. They'd actually established a little bit of control in the game. They went for a fourth down inside the red zone. Potentially a bit of a dodgy spot from the officials. Um, however, the um, the decision was that the Browns didn't get there and ultimately turned the ball over on downs. And Philip Lindsay, a few plays later, is rushing 30 yards into the end zone to essentially what felt at the time ice the game. And the Browns, to the credit, did get back into it a little bit. Baker Mayfield found Jarvis Landry for his first touchdown of the season. Um, but that was with 10 minutes 53 to play, and that was the scoring done for the contest. Um, typical from the Browns, more headlines being made from receivers dressing in the wrong footwear which is just completely inexcusable for a team that has preached about getting discipline right and holding people to account all week, that you even allow players onto the field not in the correct uniform, whether you agree with the policy or not, is irrelevant. Um, and then after the game, one of the players makes headlines for essentially threatening to go on a bit of a killing spree with anyone that had the nerve to question his horrendous tackling during the game. So, Jermaine Whitehead, if you are listening, um, hit me up on Twitter and we'll have a chat because uh, I agree with everyone that's called you out for your below-par effort this weekend, unfortunately. It probably puts a fork into any remaining playoff hopes that the Browns may have had, um, and that was further compounded by the Ravens' impressive victory over the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football, Lawrence. Hooray! It's finally happened. Patriots are no longer undefeated. And, and my man crush, Lamar Jackson, did it by a combination of passing and rushing. I mean, Tim called it last Thursday, and, and I sort of did in, in my full 10-yard halfway grades. Um, I just didn't say which game, but I said the Patriots wouldn't last the season um, undefeated. I mean, I wonder how many people are now going to be buying tickets for the, for the L Jacks hype train 
to which I've been driving since since 2018. I mean, El was was 17 of 23, sacked only once against this ferocious Patriots defense, threw a touchdown, no picks, but it was his legs that did the real damage as as they as they have done all season. 61 yards on the ground and two scores, including one where he was actually picked up and hauled into the end zone by right tackle Orlando Brown. I think that was a, that was a really special play. Um, all around the Ravens gave the Patriots a, a huge dose of their own medicine. Um, you had Marlon Humphrey returning a fumble, 70 yards for a score, and New England's running game held to 74 yards and the longest run of 10. Um, and for the Ravens, that that kind of combination of the the running game, the the, the three running backs plus Lamar Jackson, um, another 200 plus yard ground effort, 115 yards for Mark Ingram. I mean, this is this is the Achilles heel of the Patriots defense. They they I think this is their third 100 plus yard um, rusher against them this season, and it's only nine games old. I mean. Bill Belichick must be spitting feathers now. Um, I think that that with, with Ingram being the third running back to do that, um, and um, this you know a seventeen point win and putting thirty seven points up against this this kind of vaunted Patriots defense is a is is kind of more than a statement. It's 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 a stone tablet to which the Ravens are going to be really happy with, um, and don't forget that if you're a Baltimore Ravens player, you're you're now going to be getting a a nice parcel from Coach Harbour, a, a lovely designer belt. And he said that if the team um, got to six and two at the halfway point, he'd, he'd buy them all a lovely um, purple and black designer belt. So, you know, he's, he's going to be on Amazon tonight, um, you know, getting all, his, um, getting all his parcels sent out. <laughs> something for the guys there to look forward to. I think we oh, call, I, th- I think we've called it for a few weeks now, haven't we? That um, you know, this Patriots team they have had a soft schedule. Um, you know, you can only beat what's in front of you, and credit to them for doing so. Um, but the, the signs were there that particularly a team that favours the run would cause them trouble, and certainly the Ravens um, fall into that category. Um, so a very impressive victory for them. Um, that's going to wrap up the slate of games from week nine so that brings us on to third down down. so yes for third down this week it didn't seem fair to bring jason garrett corner out when the man himself has yet to hit the sideline in week nine he of course will be on monday night football as the giants take on the cowboys so we are going with Stats Life this week for third down, where we bring you some of the weird and wonderful number crunching bits of information from the week that was in the NFL. So Lawrence, I'm going to throw it over to you, my friend. Hit me with one. Okay, first one. And this is from the um, Ravens against the Patriots game. Now, Lamar Jackson, okay, he only threw one touchdown pass but he threw it to backup tight end Nick Boyle, who has been in the league for five years, played 56 games. This was his first ever touchdown. So talk about having an impact touchdown as, as your first ever touchdown in a, in a victory against the, the 8-0 Patriots. So, you know, Hopefully he got to keep the game ball because you know it's, it doesn't happen too often for for Nick Boyle. So you know, bless him there. Sounds like a classic example of all touchdowns are equal, but some are more equal than others. Uh, certainly a good one to get your first one in. Um, I'm going to throw one at you then from a quarterback perspective because I appreciate your man crush. Uh, I'm going to throw one back at you, though, in terms of a quarterback that, for me, plays the position in the correct way. And that, of course, is Russell Wilson, who we talked about involved in that ding-dong battle against James Winston and the Bucks this weekend. He now moves to 22 touchdown passes on the year. And he is the person now to have thrown the most touchdown passes through nine games, whilst only throwing one interception or less 
which obviously would be zero in that case, um, in the team's opening nine games of a season since 1950. So that just shows you the historic pace that Russell Wilson is on at the moment. Um, he, along with Lamar Jackson, it's got to be fair to say, I would suggest a very much in the MVP conversation as things stand. Next one from you, Lawrence. Um, unfortunately, I've got to go back to the well. I've got to go back to the, um, the um, Baltimore-New England well. And this is a this is a bit of a mind bender. Um, Bill Belichick had up until last night a 24 game winning streak against starting quarterbacks aged 25 or under until he came across Lamar Jackson on Sunday night and had that bubble burst. So 24 games against you know young upcoming quarterbacks, he he, he basically crushed them, and then Lamar Jackson has just said, "Nah, I'm not having that." So, uh, you know, two two big Ravens, because, it's a, you know, I've got to celebrate, got to celebrate L-Jack. So, two big L-Jack stats there. You're loving this, aren't you? It's an opportunity for you to hammer <laughs> home against the Patriots and also get a bit of Lamar Jackson love out there. Oh, loving, yeah, yeah. Loving, loving your work, mate. Loving your work. It's a double. It's a double, yeah. Fair play. Right, here's one for you. There's no place like home. So this is the only the third time since 1970 and the first since 1998 where every team playing in their home stadium on the weekend has won in week nine. That doesn't include, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars who were classed as the home team at London. But like I say, every team playing in their home stadium won this weekend, the first time since 1998. And what it has to be said feels like a season that home field advantage hasn't been as big an advantage as it possibly would have been deemed in the past. And I know that possibly becomes a lot more relevant as we get towards playoff time. But certainly for home fans this weekend, what a great weekend to be alive because every single one of you would have seen your team win. Hit me with one more, mate. Please don't make it another one about Lamar Jackson. No, no, no. I'm I'm going with my my other um, kind of relationship that I have with a with a with a player that I've had for for many many years, and it's the it's the delightful Frank Gore, um, and I'm just just it's more really a, a kind of a weekly update of his um his chase to become the third all time leading rusher in NFL history. I mean, I I, I called this out before the start of the season that. Um, he was on target to eclipse Barry Sanders. And, and, and when you think about that, Frank Gore, to get more rushing yards than Barry Sanders, it's, it's, you know, it's something you have to be sitting down to kind of fully absorb. Um, he needs 85 yards to get to number three all time. But unfortunately, if he goes at the pace that he went yesterday, when he got 15 yards on 11 carries, it's going to take him another five weeks. Well, he, he's not got to worry. We'll get into this Thursday, but look here, he plays on Sunday. He's got the Cleveland Browns. We'll be more than accommodating. Don't you worry, Frank Gore. I'm sure you'll get there soon enough. Uh, last one then for Stats Life for this week's edition is one that um, one that Tim was very keen for me to share. Um, he, he brought this one up to me yesterday, so we'll finish with this one for you. So both the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins registered a safety in their matchup yesterday. It's the first time that this has happened in any game since week 14 of the 1994 season between the Cardinals and the Oilers um, that that's happened. So very rare that you get safeties, but certainly extremely rare that you get two in the same game. First time this has happened in 25 years for the Jets and the Dolphins. Probably more of a sign of just how bad those offences are as opposed to how good the defences are. But there you go. First time in 25 years that's happened. I'm sure there's a load more stats that we have missed naturally. Uh, hit us up with your best ones over at the full 10 yards on Twitter as we now move to fourth down. Fourth down. Yeah, something a little bit different for your fourth down tonight, ladies and gents. We're not going to have a debate as such. Myself and Lawrence are going to actually have a chance to celebrate some success. Despite our NFL teams being absolutely horrendous this season, we've both been doing pretty well, my friend, from a fancy football perspective. 
um, in various different platforms. And I have had a great couple of weeks from a DraftKings perspective. Big thank you to Adam, who's with you on a Saturday with Tim for your betting podcast. He has got a couple of DraftKings leagues set up. Please come along and play. Um, it would be great to get more of you in there. Chance for me to win even more money. I've won a couple of hundred dollars over the last couple of weekends. So we decided that we would have a little bit of a fancy football mock draft between now and the end of the season. We're only going to do four positions. So we're going to each select a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver and a tight end. Now, obviously, for those of you that play DraftKings, you'll be aware that you can draft the same player as, as somebody else has already taken. It's all to do with applying a salary cap. Um, however, for the benefit of the pod, it wouldn't exactly be the most entertaining if me and Lawrence picked the same four players. So we're going to do it snake style, as you would do in any fancy football redraft at the start of the season. And as was decided off air, Lawrence has very kindly given me the first selection in the draft, as I am hosting tonight's podcast. So without further ado, I will put myself onto the clock. And it's a little bit of a no-brainer for me that with the first pick, I would be taking Christian McCaffrey as the running back for my team. Um, he is on pace to actually have the most fantasy points in a season since fantasy football records began. He's on pace for 492, which would eclipse Ladanian Tomlinson's 475. And that sort of level of production that you can get from a single player He's winning matchups week in and week out. He scored over 40 points this week on DraftKings. So although he was the most expensive player, he certainly provided those that did pick him with plenty of points. I didn't select him for what it's worth. Um, I managed to get some points from elsewhere. Um, but he's probably the most consistent and reliable performer involved, obviously, in both the passing as well as the rush game. So you're getting those extra bonus points from a points per reception perspective. Um, and he's certainly one to keep an eye on down the stretch, as, as we've alluded to. Pretty much that entire offense does run through number 22. So he's on my team. I'm going to hand it over to yourself, Lawrence, for your first pick. Well, if this was a normal draft, then obviously I'd, I'd um, be biding my time on quarterback, and I'd be I'd be waiting. I mean, in the full ten yards um, fantasy league, I managed to pick up Deshaun Watson in the fourth round. So you know, it it pays to be patient, but I'm not going to be patient in this draft. I'm going straight in for Russell Wilson. Um, as you as you said earlier in the pod, his statistics are kind of something that that is just not normal um and it's 22 touchdowns in in half a season um he could even he could even improve on that so you know at least another 20 touchdowns for the rest of the season plus he's he's got the legs as well um and he's playing on a team that that are doing incredibly well so russell wilson is my first round pick very difficult to argue with the selection. Like you say, it's a little bit of a false um, narrative that we're drafted on here. Completely agree with the strategy, what you would normally take. But again, you're getting production from Wilson consistently. He's often a threat with his legs. He, he obviously does try and pass first and foremost, but he does occasionally pick up a few bonus points on the ground as well. I'm going to come back to you, mate, because we'll do it snake style. It's not fair that I keep getting ahead of you in the draft. So... You can go straight ahead and get your second selection on the board. Well, this might be a little bit of a controversial one, but I think the pairing of um, Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett is something special this season. So I'm going to pick the wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, from the Seahawks as my second pick, purely because I think the chemistry between them is, is something that, that I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and I can only see this getting better. Yep. Again, very difficult to disagree. He had a great day yesterday. He, he seems to be the guy that Wilson looks to whenever there's a play that needs to be made. Um, and, you know, he's one of these special receivers, isn't he? Considering his stature, he, he often lines up. He's, he's one of the shortest wideouts on the field. Um, you know, but he, his quickness, his rate-running ability... Um, and he, he certainly seems to have become a even bigger piece of that offence in the 2019 season. So you've gone quarterback, wide receiver. Um, 
no pressure on me then in terms of those two positions. So I suppose the easy thing for me to do would take who, in my opinion, would be the best tight end option on the board. Um, and I'm going to take with that selection George Kittle from the 49ers. I say that because Travis Kelsey at the Chiefs has still got a bye week to come and we're still not 100% sure on exactly when um, Mahomes will be back, although all things point to it looking to be sooner rather than later. Um, and Zach Ertz, as I alluded to earlier, would have been the other option for me here um, after having a bit of a bounce-back game. But Kittle, for me, has just been the most consistent. I think he has you know, been consistently one of Garoppolo's favourite targets. It'll be interesting to see how those target shares uh, shape out with the continued emergence of Emmanuel Sanders into that offence. But George Kittle, for me, would slot in at that position. Um, again, little false narrative. I was obviously under no pressure to take either of the other two positions because we're only drafting one apiece. Um, so I get the first choice tight end, in my opinion, there. So that just remains for me then to round out my squad. And what I will do with the next pick is I will take a wide receiver and I'll take Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. Mr. Consistent, the only receiver with at least five catches in every game this season um, was Michael Thomas, along with John Brown of the Bills. But I believe that streak ended yesterday. Um, so you know what you're getting with Thomas. And I can only see his production increasing with Drew Brees back under centre. I think it's safe to say that the Saints are going to be strong down the stretch. And, you know, number 13 on the outside is the go-to guy when a big play is required. Um, he's, he's always getting up towards double-digit target numbers. Um, so I would have no hesitation with Michael Thomas in that slot. Back to you then, bud. Your chance to round out your roster. Um, I think I'll, I'll pick um, Kenyan Drake. No, only joking. Um, I'm going to go for um, Dalvin Cook, who, fingers crossed, if he can stay injury-free, um, I mean, he's already having a, an absolutely special season. Um, he, he's 106 yards off 1,000 yards, and we are at the end of week nine. Um, he's actually outrushing Christian McCaffrey, which is, which is again, absolutely remarkable. And on um, almost one carry less. Um, he's got nine touchdowns on the ground. Um, and he's actually um, 43 of his 177 carries um, have gone for first downs. So that's almost um, that's 24.3% of, um, of his rushes are going for first downs. Um, the Vikings are still well within the playoff hunt. Probably not going to be division winners, but should be solid wild card um, entrants. So they'll be looking for a playoff push. So I will take Dalvin Cook um, as my running back. A nice, nice value at the at the sixth pick there. <laughs> you, you, you would be chuffed with either of these teams. Let's face it. Uh, yeah. Round us off then with your tight end, and then I will end the draft. So go on. Are you putting in at the tight end spot? It's got to be. You've already mentioned him. Um, I think you, you can't really avoid um, Travis Kelsey. With, with Patrick Mahomes um, coming back from his, his little injury, he's going to be fired up. Um, and the, the, the team's just going to be absolutely desperate to prove themselves every week. And with Tyreek Hill um, taking a lot of the, you know, taking the, the primary cornerback for, for the rest of the season, um, Travis Kelsey's opportunity to shine. He hasn't had the, the greatest um, first half of the season. We, we know he can do better, and I think he will. So I'll, I'll have to take Travis Kelsey. Nice selection, my friend. And that leaves me with just the one position to mop up. And for me, it's a choice of two. It's either Deshaun Watson or it's Lamar Jackson. Um, bearing in mind, I'm saying this from a fantasy perspective, just to absolutely caveat that. If it was just to play quarterback, everyone knows where my vote would be going on this one. It would go to Watson. But I think from a fantasy perspective, again, bye week is already out the way. You've obviously got the dual threat of the yards on the ground and the ability to find the end zone. I would have to go with Lamar Jackson. 
So, Lawrence, you are slowly but surely grinding my down, my friend. I'm not hey. quite. I'm not quite on the train, <laughs> but I'm at least curious about how much you're a at, ticket might cost. You're at the station, aren't you? You're at the um, station at least. I'm getting there, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm getting there, unfortunately. And and go on. Let's let's just do a tiny little bonus. Let's let's throw in a flex pick each as well, just just for fun. But so oh. you can have a you can have a running back or receiver. I just thought I'd mix it up there right at the end. Talk about throwing a man off guard. I'll tell you what I'll do then. I, I will I will go with, and I will show a little bit of loyalty. If I am curious about the Lamar Jackson uh, bandwagon, I'm going to show some loyalty. And I'm going to pick the only Cleveland Brown that, for me, has carried himself with any glory this year. Uh, best offensive weapon and the one that the game should run through and unfortunately never seems to, and that's Nick Chubb. Um, I think Kareem Hunt coming back this week for the Browns will be interesting. Um, however, there seems to have been a fairly clear strategy that Chubb is on the field for first and second downs only predominantly. So I can just see Kareem Hunt taking that third back role, which is currently being occupied by Dontrell Hilliard. Chubb's production heading into this week was actually, from a rushing perspective, um, he was the most yards per game from a rush perspective, held to 65 this week. But I fully expect that he would, um, you know, continue to produce. Um, and ultimately, the, the one thing that would sort of hold me back on that selection would just be the lack of um, red zone um, execution from the Browns. You'd like to see them punch the ball in more often when they do get up and around the goal line. But Chubb is a bit of a home run hitter and he, he's often done that in the past. He, he takes it from, from anywhere on the field. So for a little bit of loyalty, I'm going to go with Nick Chubb as you put me on the spot there, my friend. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, and with with my um, final pick, um, I'm I'm a bit old school when it comes to fantasy football, so I, I always like to have a um, two quality running backs on my team. So I'm I'm going for the rookie Josh Jacobs, who was the first running back drafted this year. Lot of lot of expectation. Um, you know, Coach Chucky said, you know, we're going to give him the ball and we're going to give him the ball often. And he's he's come, <clears throat> he's come up with the results. I mean, 740 yards um, at just under five a clip and, and six touchdowns on the ground um, as, a, as a rookie in, in half a season. Um, you know, I think he, he's on pace for something historic, um, something kind of, you know, Eric Dickerson-esque um, if he continues this pace. He is slightly let down um, in the receiving game. Only 11 catches so far this season. So there is a lot more potential for him to be, you know, taking some of those screen passes and, and doing some impressive work, um, you know, catching the ball. But um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll add um, Josh Jacobs to Dalvin Cook. And I, I think anybody will be happy with that as a backfield. I think they certainly would, mate. And I think, like I say, if we were playing five-a-side football, those two fives that we've picked there would certainly be high on anyone's rankings, I would have suggested. We'll do as we always do with the debate. We'll take it to the Twitter. Let us know who's got the better team there. Is it mine or is it Lawrence's? And get involved in DraftKings, like I said. You know, follow Adam and the Touchdown Tips leagues. Let's get some more people involved. Let's get that prize pool higher. And then there's some equal rewards then for everyone. That's the two-minute warning. Okay, Lawrence, whistle has gone. That's the two-minute warning. That's our cue to get out of here. Any final thoughts as we wrap up this Monday show? Just a tiny one. It was um, interesting um, yesterday at the, the game at Wembley. They, they, they always roll out some famous people during the, you know, during the television timeouts. And the first person they rolled out was um, World Cup um, cricket winner Joffre Archer who got a huge cheer from the crowd and he was actually he was actually part of the Minshew Mania wearing a, a number 15 shirt and then later on in the game they they wheeled out Thomas Bjorn the golfer um, and no one could understand a word of what he was saying so it was just it was it was you know it needed subtitles but he was asked which team he supported and he he said the Cowboys and he actually got the biggest boo of the entire game um, which was quite entertaining, and I, I thought, what on earth is they are they doing? You know, wheeling out a golfer, but then he actually acknowledged it on his own Twitter account, 
Um, so he, he was kind of, you know, he appreciated the booze and I, I kind of respect the guy for that. Well, I'm sure Tim was there applauding his choice of team. Um, interesting that the London games have come to a close. I'm sure we'll have a little bit of a debate on what happens to the international series moving forward as 2019's version is in the books. But that's going to do it from us from the podcast this week. Keep your eyes on the full 10 yards as ever. Tomorrow is your takeaway day. So I think all three of us this week are actually going to be writing some stuff down. So myself, Lawrence and Tim will get some written content out for you. Obviously, as usual, keep your eyes peeled for all your fancy advice from the boys over in the fancy section with your starts, sits and your DraftKings advice. Get involved following on from our debate on fourth down there. And of course, the boys over in the college branch, there's a huge college game on Saturday as LSU take on Alabama. So I'm sure the boys will be getting excited about that and getting you geared up and ready for a big weekend of college action. But with that being said, that is the end of the show. So it's goodbye from Lawrence. Take care. And remember to drop Mark Walton from your fantasy teams. Sound advice. And it's goodbye from me. And in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.